Hello, my name's John Coldham and I'm a director in the intellectual property team at Rag Lawrence Graham & Co. I'm joined by Rob Law, so-called Trunky Daddy, founder of Trunky. Uh, and um, Rob, thank you for, thank you for joining us. Um, this is a session about uh, design law and protection and, and the more commercial considerations as well. Can you start by telling me a little bit about Trunky? Sure, we've been trading for almost 10 years now uh, uh, with uh, our hero product, which is the ride-on suitcase that hopefully has become a familiar sight in many international airports now. Uh, we've now got a, developed a whole range of travel solutions that pioneer this new category of children and family travel uh, from car seats that turn into boost sorry, car seats that turn into backpacks through to fully waterproof kids' swimming bags that look like fish. And, uh, and we've really found a lot of opportunity within the children's travel sector for innovation. Uh, a lot of parents just aren't happy with solutions that are out there, so we're forging new territory in this new category. What types of design protection have you found most successful? Well, I think it's, it's quite a mixed bag. You get success at different levels with different protection, but essentially you're looking at unregistered design, but that's primarily a UK rule. Uh, but as we mostly trade globally in, uh, in this environment and economy, then uh, it has limited impact. Um, European design registration has worked really well for me. You can never underestimate the power of a piece of paper. Um, just waving a legal document can actually have um, some significant effects, whatever the power of that actual legal status of that uh, design is. And uh, then you've got internationally, you've got, you can rely on copyright in 3D form. So... Um, Actually, coming back to some registered piece of paper can then actually, even though European design registrations aren't recognised in, say, Hong Kong, uh, you can apply for copyright based on that certificate and use then a new document to try and take down offenders in Hong Kong and China being primarily where a lot of these global trade shows happen and where a lot of the counterfeits pop up. Uh, and then finally, you've probably got passing off, but that's a very difficult uh, difficult thing to prove. Okay, that's very interesting. Um there's two different types of thing I'd like to ask you about. You are you have made the headlines for battling one particular copycat for many years, and and that's ongoing, isn't it? Um, can you tell me a bit about your experience of that case and the IP courts? Sure. I suppose I should start with the story of how it all happened. We uh, were at um, the Spring Fair in 2003, around February time, and discovered uh, this look-alike very similar product so we gave them a cease and desist and uh, asked them to remove the product from the show they refused uh, having then talked to my lawyers they they have they had been to court with them before and they're prolific offenders of intellectual property uh, so they supply a lot of bar- bargain shops and pound shops and things like that so uh, my legal advice very early on was if you want to take this forward you're going to have to go all the, the whole way I had no idea the whole way was going to be at least three years and a huge amount of money um, but I'm very passionate about protecting design and what you've created um, as intellectual property so we uh, sought to get a European wide injunction against them selling their product based on my European registered design which we were successful at getting we went to the Supreme Court in the summer of that year which was an expedited case because we made a, a case that it was really vital to get this product off the market quickly uh, and we won at the High Court uh, which was great uh, however the other side appealed that decision and the appeal courts overturned the ruling that uh, my registered design was valid um, well not valid but um, 
because it was registered in grayscale and not line drawings, which uh, the legal profession normally register lines, line drawings, but actually the general populace. Uh, it's about a third of registered design to line drawing, a third of grayscale, and a third of photography photographs. So um, we were gobsmacked to have that overturned, and uh, we're going to the Supreme Court on the 3rd of November to have that judgment hopefully overruled. And I think it's the first uh, design case that's gone to the Supreme Court for decades, as far as I'm aware. Um, you may know better than me, but um, you've probably looked into it. But um, we, uh, we we will all be watching that one with interest. Yeah, I, I will note that we we did win on a few things in the High Court that still stand, and they were based on unregistered design. Uh, and there were some small details. I mean, I'd argue there was a lot more in registered design that we should have won on, but because we won the big one with the European design registration, which banned them from selling the product across the whole of Europe, I was happy to just go with that. So for that to be overturned at the appeal court was devastating. I can imagine. And obviously you you as a business are a very different business to the one that filed those registrations all those years ago, you were mentioning how the legal industry file designs as line drawings. I don't know that that's necessarily entirely right, but you're right that uh, line drawings are a popular way of, of registering designs because they're considered to be broader. Um, would you, um, ha- on, on that, would you have any advice for designers who are just starting out now, perhaps can't afford the legal advice um, that you now can afford um, on, on what they should be doing if you like, the, the lessons you've learned from your uh, experiences? Um, I, I would say I probably wouldn't do anything differently. I mean, I registered um, in 2002 a, a UK registered design because the European system didn't exist then. A year later, it came into force and I registered a more up-to-date design. I was actually freelancing for Martin at Tangerine at the time. <laughs> and... Um, uh, and had then a, a legal document that I could go off and license to a manufacturer, and that worked really well. I then was successful in getting a, a global license for the product. Sadly, that didn't work out, and I started uh, Trunky uh, in 2006. Um, but looking back, now I think um, I did all I could at the time, and um, it's just a huge disappointment that the appeal court overturned the, the ruling. Hopefully that will get reversed, and we'll be back to, uh, back to the status quo. I think there's um I think there's a lot riding on 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 your case. Nobody likes to be the guy going with the case that that everybody's watching, but um, it will have an effect on probably the filing of registrations in the UK, the guidance that the IPO gives, and everything will will depend on what happens in in your case. Yeah. Because I th- my view is that there's a lot to be said for the guidance that's on these websites as to how designers should file these designs in the first place. You read the guidance, you did exactly what it said. Um, And uh, your argument presumably would be that you shouldn't be criticised for that now that you've got through to the other end. So I think there'll be a lot... Um, that may change as a result of your, your judgment. Yeah, I mean, the guidelines give you no indication that registering as a ph- photograph, line drawing or grayscale gives you any different forms of protection. It just says you can at these levels and actually questioning OHIM, who are the, the body who organised the design registrations, um, still think that's the case as well. So um, I, and it's ridiculous that the appeal court overturned the ruling because the wheels were darker than the body and therefore I intended the wheels to be darker. So therefore they took that as surface decoration and therefore if you register a grayscale design you can therefore apply surface decoration to get around it. So any design shape 
that's registered as grayscale, put a pattern on it, and you've passed through the, uh, does the, the, the you can now copy that product. So it's just insane. Which, hopefully, that's the reason why we've got permission to go to the Supreme Court. But who it's de- knows? It's definitely an issue of interest to, to a lot of us. And, um, as I say, we'll be watching the case with interest. Um, now, we, I said I'd like to talk about two things. Uh, one is about the big copycat that you've been, uh, you've been, you've been fighting for years. Um, but you say that you've waved your paper around and, um, and presumably had success. So have you, is your experience of, of IP law, as we're standing here today before the Supreme Court, all kind of negative or or, or, or do, do you feel that actually you, you've had some experience of IP being a, a good thing for, for you that, that's worked? This is the only case that we haven't won um, and the only case we've actually taken to court. Everything else uh, we've managed to succeed in the product being removed, destroyed or uh, uh, um, uh, we've been uh, granted award in the form of payments for, for copying so um, it's that's internationally, so it's absolutely gutting to lose on your own t- soil. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we've taken hundreds of copies across Europe, down with our European Design Registration, primarily at retail. Um, online is the real frontier for um, copycats and counterfeits. So the Alibaba Group, with all its other subsidiary websites, are the culprits for kind of promoting a lot of that product they do have um, reasonably decent ways of you being able to upload your ip and remove that product but uh, they're so focused on counterfeits and trademark infringement that uh, uh, copycats and lookalikes are are quite hard to um, take down because it's it's a judgment call and their ip officer in china and the way uh, the guys think are fairly black and white and not grey. So it is a bit of a challenge. It became such a big challenge. We're spending all our time doing it. So we've now outsourced it to a an online brand protection agency who, who just deal with it and we get reports. I mean, a year to date, we've taken 3,000 listings off the Alibaba Group websites and a few others in Europe. Wow. So um, if people read the headlines in the UK... Um, they may be put uh, about you and your battles with IP they might be put off the young designers might be put off from thinking there's any point in in registering designs or or using intellectual property to help them protect their business would that be your message presumably not no no um if they if they read the the actual paperwork from the court then they may well be put off but um uh no i think as uh, richard alluded to before i think um registering your, your designs and it's not that expensive to register your European design that covers the whole of Europe um, it is very good use of money it's something like 300 odd pounds that you can do yourself quite easily and uh, I did it myself and we've had huge success it's only this one case where, where we haven't um, so I, I think that the real challenge is that it's incredibly complicated each country is different even within Europe Basically, as a designer, you will never fully understand the legal system and you've got to rely on, on, on the legal profession to help guide you through that. And, and it is a big frustration that you have to spend your time and money on these things rather than on product development, which we're all so passionate about. But uh, it, we, we're in a global marketplace. We, make, we can sell internationally so easily now. And as a result, um, it's very easy for the copycats to sell their products over here. I mean, I would say we've had, in, fr- in the countries like France and Germany, it's very easy to win cases and have things removed because they take design law so much more seriously. I hope you found this podcast useful. 
We've produced a guide aimed at the non-lawyer, all about the design's lifestyle and the different considerations at different points. Please contact us if you would like a copy or visit rag-law.com forward slash designs for life. Thanks for listening.